and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? No, can't think of another one. That's okay. Where are we going? And how hot is it in Bali right now? That's an interesting question for me because our guest, that's actually where I met him years and years and years ago. So I was very excited to have this guest on today. Before I introduce him, I want to make sure that we also know who the other voices are on this podcast. I'm Richard Litauer, your host. Hi, everyone. And then we also have Justin Dorfman. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing good. Justin's calling in from L.A. And our guest is calling in from the beautiful Austrian countryside. We have Manuel Hill. Manu, how are you doing today? Oh, hi, everyone. Excited to chat. Excited to have you here. Now, Manu... I met you a long time ago at this thing called Hacker Paradise, which is a like remote worker drop-in where if you want to go work with other remote workers, you can sign up and do it. And we met in Southeast Asia, had a great time. And since then, we've gone to do a lot of different things, which is why I was really excited to hear about PikaPods. PikaPods is your platform. I believe you're the co-founder. And I'm curious to hear you talk about it today. Can you give me uh, an introduction? What is it and why is it relevant to this podcast? Yeah, sure. So this is actually my second open source related project. So I come from uh, like a web design agency background. So I did programming for other people for a while. But then in 2018, I did YC Startup School to do my own projects and products. The first one of those was related to backups. That was BorgBase that was launched in 2018. And while running it, I saw a real need for better financing for open source projects. And I also wanted to diversify a little bit to not be dependent on just one single open source project, which is Borg. So I launched PikaPods, which helps less technical users or lazy users to easily run open source web applications. So at the moment, we have about 50 apps in our store. So it's like like an app store with a hosting service attached to it. So you can just go there. You can pick like a photo app, you can pick a file sharing app, you can run VS Code, you can do like push notifications. You just pick it and you can run it with just a few clicks. And we take care of like updates, servers, backups, all this kind of stuff. Okay, so you have all these self-hosted apps on PikaPods. Are these apps which users can install as well? Can I run my own open source project on PikaPods or are they only ones which come from a subset which you've already provided? It's a subset that's moderated. But sometimes I have requests from open source authors who want to offer their app on PikaPods. And I'm always happy to add those as long as they're like a little bit popular. It shouldn't be a side project and it shouldn't have a big like potential for abuse, which is always a problem in hosting like a VPN app or a torrent app. I just want to avoid those because it would take a long time. I think it would be too much effort to deal with all the legal requests. But all other apps that are moderately popular, they can go on the platform, yeah. So we've already seen a couple of platforms that run with open source models on them. So one of them is like Heroku, you know, there's various apps that you can run. Another one would be Netlify. What's the difference between those and PikaPods? Well, the difference is that, for example, for Heroku, you still need to have some setup. I think the project needs to do a very specific setup so it runs on Heroku. And you should also have some technical knowledge. And PikaPods is designed to be even a little bit more easy, like easier. So you can just choose the app, like in a mobile phone app store, just tap the app and then you can run it. Sometimes you have to give like a username and password to log in, like for the initial account setup. But that's really the most complicated thing you will ever have to do. 
What if I want to edit the code for an app before I run it? Is that possible? Uh, no, that's not possible. Mostly we run the official Docker image that comes from the project itself. So you will have the same experience as when you're running it yourself. And it also makes it easier to debug things. For example, if someone has a weird error, then I'm always sure it's not my deployment Docker image, but it's like it's an upstream thing and it can be fixed upstream, which is much easier. So if I can't run my own stuff on it and I can't edit the apps, can you talk to me a bit more about how this is an open source marketplace, just because all the apps that you have are open source originally? Yeah, I mean, you can indirectly edit the app. You can always go to the upstream project. You file a feature request or something, or you do a pull request if you want to. And then maybe they change the code if it's a good suggestion. So you have more control of the code. than, for example, if you're using a Google product, Tell me a bit about what your user base right now looks like. How long have you been up and running and how many people are using the platform? I think I launched a free beta in February. So usually I like to do free betas and I gave everyone $50 then $20. And now we're at $5. So you can quickly build up some test users and they're not paying you. So they don't have very high expectations. So you don't need to stress out about being offline for a couple hours, for example. But we have a couple of thousand users now. Many of them came from Asia in the beginning. Now it's a little bit more balanced. We had many users from China who were running WordPress sites. But now I think there's like a dozen of projects now that are linking to PikaPods as a deployment option for their projects. For example, PhotoPrism, they've added a tutorial. I think Block. they've also added a tutorial. So more traffic is coming from those sites now. So I'm thinking about the long-term sustainability of open source. And what's really interesting is that over the past 20 years, we've seen a lot of projects go with this sort of open core model or some sort of thing where like, you can host it yourself, go ahead, here's all the code, or we'll host it for you. What this sounds like to me is one step beyond that, saying, instead of having the main project hosted for you, we can host it for you as another thing. And there's a whole ton of different apps that we can also host. Can you tell me a bit more about what I'm missing in that view of the landscape? At the moment, there's just one source of revenue we provide to open source offers, which is a revenue share. So we give 15 to 20% of the revenue before any costs. So that's what people actually pay goes to open source offers if they are able to and if they choose so. Because there are plenty of offers who don't want to commercialize the project or sometimes the ownership is unclear. Like some guy developed it, then he abandoned it, then someone else picked it up, then the community picked it up. So nobody really wants to accept money for that. So not every project can accept it, but those who can, they get like 20%. But the thing is, our prices are not very high. So it's like one, $2 or something for an app, like five, $6 for a larger app, like for a photo app that does like facial recognition and needs a lot of CPU cores. So it can be a few hundred, I guess. We still need to grow to give like a thousand or so per month to an open source offer. That would be possible. But then the downside of this is that you don't really capture all the value, like the hosting cost doesn't capture all the value that the app provides. So this is the long-term issue that I see at the moment. So I still want to look at different revenue options. For example, I want to do maybe support that the open source offer can offer support to PickerPods users and help them to do like a specific setup or something, or maybe freemium model where you get like a additional features when you buy like an add-on, for example. This is also what Photon Prism is doing to a degree. They have like a free version, like a free core. Then they have some additional features like the mapping feature. It's like the sponsorship tier. Then they have another tier. So maybe this is, it will be a combination of things. I don't think there's one thing that works for everyone. If I just go back to my previous product, which is BorgBase, it's about backups. 
And this is where it really started because I'm giving people the option to donate money to the upstream work project when they check out on my page. So get, they can choose a donation amount like $5, $10, $50, something like that. And this has been working quite well. So this collects like 500 or something per month in a good month. And sometimes we double it, like when it's backup day or something, we double it for the month. So there are many things that, that you can do. I think projects have to be creative and look at many different options. So there won't be one option that works for everyone. But maybe Pickabots is just one more, like one additional option that offers will have in the future. So I like the idea of capturing value for these projects, right? So with hosting, what you're trying to do is enable more projects to give more value back. And then part of that goes back to you and part of that goes back to the project. When you talk to open source projects who are interested in hosting their apps or who don't know about you yet when you're marketing, I'm curious if you do you have any numbers that you give them about the amount of time it would take them to set up and host their own and what value will eventually go back into their project. You say 15, 20%. So I'm just curious how you pitch that to open source maintainers and open source projects, some of which you readily have already admitted may not have the governance structures in place to like figure out what to do with money. So how does that conversation go? I think the biggest selling point that I can give them is that it's more to make the app more accessible. For example, for photo apps, photographers, they're usually less technical. They don't manage a Linux server. They don't want to. Maybe they don't have the skills. So I think accessibility is the biggest one. So people can just go on the project page or the website. And instead of reading like how to set up Docker and how to set up a Linux server, you can just send them to a one-click thing and they can run it and they can participate. And maybe they contribute like a documentation or maybe if they're not programmers, maybe they do some translations or documentation or something like that. Then, of course, running a hosting company is like a 24 hours, seven days a week job. So I know that some projects they're offering like a hosting options for like $5 or something. Or, but I don't think it's a good fit for like part-time open source offers because it's a big responsibility. You go on holiday, the service down, it stays down for like a week because you don't log in. So I don't think it's a business model that fits very well with a maintainer role, which is already, maintainers are already overworked. And if you have to do like billing, you have to set up a company structure, that's a lot of additional work. So maybe you could think of Pickabots as like commercialis commercialization of a project as a service. So you write the code, you give it to us, we commercialize it, like we allow other users to run it and you can keep some control because you still control the code. You still control the Docker image, how it's deployed, how it's set up. And maybe in the future, you can also have some control over add-ons. Maybe you can set the price. Maybe you can set some service tiers, for example. Maybe you can offer support. So that's a general idea. So thinking about the ecosystem and thinking about the niche that you found yourself in, Mono, you're no inexperienced hand when it comes to entrepreneurial ideas, right? So you initially had a company where like you sold tailor-made shirts from China online, like you've done tons of stuff like this before. And I've been in the same boat as you, or at least I've set sail from the same dock. Maintainer.io was a company that was based on the idea that maintainers are stressed and they don't have time to triage all their issues and why would they want to? And they don't know how to update their readme. So let's help them do that. I found out very quickly that small open source projects don't really have a ton of money to those things. And the amount of marketing I was doing to those projects was basically negating any profit model I would have. And so I segued back into consulting, which is no surprise to anyone, but it was an interesting experiment and fair enough. But for you, what I'm curious about is that you've always seemed smarter than me. And so I'm interested to know why you chose 
to work with open source projects to host this sort of thing when there are other things available to you, uh, given your mindset and how you'd see the world. Why Pikapods? Like why one part of the giant hosting empire that can help out maintainers? I mean, it's not it's not totally altruistic because it also makes it should also make money eventually to get in more than the server costs, right? It's not really planned. It shouldn't be a nonprofit, and it's not set up as a nonprofit. So I don't mind that. But I think the motivating event for me was the Log4J vulnerability last year, last December. And my previous business also runs in open source, but it's not as focused. Like we sponsor a couple of projects that are around backups that are directly in our ecosystem. But it's not as focused as Pikapods. But then there was this Log4J error and nobody was really maintaining it. Nobody was really taking care of it. And my previous business and actually all my pre, like we were doing WordPress sites for the last 10 years. So WordPress is also open source and there are many plugins and many are unmaintained. And WordPress is built on a bootload of, of like open source libraries that you don't even know about, like to do curl requests and all PHP libraries. Many of them are probably unmaintained as well. But that's despite many, many people are using them. So first I was thinking, how can I improve the situation for Borg, for the backup ecosystem that my previous company was in? And then how can I give some additional financing to open source projects? Looking at your site, I noticed that the pricing is very attractive. Coming from a CDN background and being low cost myself when I was in support, I noticed a trend. The ones that paid the least had the most demands. How do you deal with that when you have prices starting at a dollar? Do you have like the most tolerant support team ever? Like, how does that work? So I'm pretty tolerant while I'm still developing products. So if someone comes with a problem, I try to help out in the first half year or so. But eventually the plan is to have everything automated that's possible and don't really take a lot of responsibility to supporting each app for example, if someone writes me, how can I make this button work in the app? How can I make this setting work in the app? That's out of the scope of Pikapods. There's nobody who sense. can give them support. So I have like, it doesn't happen very often. Like once a week, someone asks that. I have like a template. I put in the template, like a can't response. And that goes out. So the scope of Pikapods is just the hosting environment. So if it's offline or if it's running out of storage space, that's on us. But if the button is not working, that's on the upstream open source project. They're giving it to you for free. So you don't really have a right to, to have your problem fixed there. You can still go and try. You can make a report. Usually someone will fix it, but maybe eventually there will be like a support offering that you can pay like $40 or something and you get half an hour to ask a maintainer, for example. This could be a good income stream. Yeah. 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 I'm not looking to provide a lot of support. Yeah. You can definitely like go head to head with Tidelift or even do an affiliate program with them. There's a lot of options there. Now, my other question is, you still run BorgBase, right? Yes. So are these services subsidized by using the BorgBase infrastructure? Because I know three pops are fairly expensive up for those who are no point of presence where it's like a colo. No, no, it's not subsidized. It's totally separate. Of course, oh, really? Some of the front-end code, <laughs> as you can see, like I'm using the same framework, like I'm taking the user model, for example, and I adjust it a little bit, but otherwise it's all totally separate. So the servers are separate because the servers are also quite different. So for storage, the memory can be quite low. CPU can be quite low, but you need many, many hard drives. But for pickerpots, I'm putting hundreds of Docker containers on one server. So it needs a lot of memory and it needs a very fast hard drive. 
then there's some slower hard drives for like storing pictures and stuff. So the servers are pretty different. So there's nothing subsidized or shared between the products. What's your staff look like? Like, is it just like a solo operation or do you have a team that really kind of helps you out? I work with a couple of freelancers regularly, but they only get like very well-defined tasks. But most of the coding, so the initial coding, I do it all by myself and like the DevOps stuff. If there's a very well-defined development task, I sometimes outsource that. Or for example, I have a like virtual assistant tasks that's outsourced, but most of the stuff I do, yeah. Awesome. And with that said, what maintainers are you working with? Or if you are working with any maintainers, like how are you collaborating with them with Picapods and whatever else you're doing day to day for, you know, money? Like collaboration wise, like you could reach out to so and so at this project. Basically, what I want to do is know what your network is and then leech off of you. <laughs> just joking. Okay. I don't know. I just, I just like to see. <laughs> I just like to know, like, who do you work with? There's a lot of projects that you host and it'd just be interesting to hear the kind of behind the scenes of your day to day. Yeah. No, you can just go on pickapods dash like slash apps and some of the apps, they will have like a heart icon. And this means that mm. there's a revenue sharing agreement with them. So I definitely work together with them. So those are clearly marked. And then a few are, are still work together, but there's no revenue sharing because it's not possible for some reasons. It's not too many apps like this at the moment, but it will be more in the future. Over time. That is really cool. I didn't, I saw the hearts, but since they were green, I didn't realize, but now I see you can hover over it. It says this project has a formal revenue sharing agreement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting is you have new and popular, but also a filter option for revenue sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Could make sense. It's within the scope, of course. It is, it is. It just no. gets you, you get a lot of buttons over time. So first keep it simple, but it could make sense here. Yeah. What's your most popular app? I think it's WordPress at the moment. That's all really? popular. Yeah, because of the Chinese. So it's mm-hmm. a funny story, actually. Someone like right after Pikapods was launched, like after two or three weeks, yeah. someone wrote a blog post in Chinese about how you can run WordPress on it. And that brought in like two or 3,000 users within two days or something. So that was pretty crazy. Whoa. Some, of them, some of them were doing duplicate accounts, but most were civilized. And that was a big wave. And that's why WordPress is still the most popular app. Then Nextcloud is also popular. <laughs> file sharing. File Run is pretty popular, which is like a lighter version of Nextcloud for file sharing. Is there like a limit? Because it just seems like a dollar, two dollars a month. The economics, like I just don't get. But please explain how this can happen for that. No, it can work. I mean, a server costs like one to 200 euros. Yeah. Or dollars. It's the same now. (laughs) Yeah. And then because, I mean, this goes back to previous similar projects. For example, there was, I don't recall any sandstorm or something. Mm -hmm. It was a project that did something similar as I did like in 2015 or something or 2014. They had like an app store and you could adjust your app to run in the app store. And I think they were using some kind of virtual machines. Yeah. And those are much heavier than Docker containers. Mm -hmm. So the technology that really enables speaker pods is really Docker containers because you can run like five, six, seven, eight hundred Docker containers on one server. But for virtual machines, maybe you can run a hundred, you can run 50 because they're much heavier because the kernel is not shared and the overhead is much higher. But for like a, for a very, um, slim app, 
it's just like 50 megabytes of memory. So you can fit quite a few on one server. So it should work out, I hope. What about egress and ingress? Like bandwidth, is bandwidth an issue for you or are these just very small apps that don't have that much traffic? Yeah, of course. So the bandwidth issue is the reason why I'm not adding certain categories of apps at the moment, which includes like BitTorrent and VPN apps that could use a lot of bandwidth. And they also, there's a big use potential. So you, IP ad, like shared IP addresses, they could get blocked at some services and it's bad for everyone. So I'm yeah. trying to limit it to web applications that don't use a lot of bandwidth by nature. So it hasn't been an issue so far. Got it. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking about the abuse and even not even abuse, but just like for WordPress, like a plugin that's out of date and then gets yeah. uh, over, gets hacked. you know, hacked and stuff. But I think overall, it's a really good business model. And I think that what really attracted me to PikaPods in the beginning was just the rev share out of the gate. Because you can scale this up to, I think you even have that option right now, or it's like you could start at a dollar a month, but you can also ramp up to CPU up to four cores. So yeah, this is a really good niche service for those who like self-hosted, but really don't want to deal with it, <laughs> like the idea of it. But yeah. So what's the future looking like? I think I want to add some more apps, like add five apps or so per month. I think 100 will be a good limit. After that, it will be hard to find apps that are very active and popular and suitable for our platform. So this is one next step. Then I want to add a few more features, for example, to support additional ports. Some apps, they could benefit from having an extra port because at the moment we only do like one HTTP port. So it's like one web app, one web port only. But some apps, for example, SyncFing or Git hosting could benefit from some extra ports. So that's on the menu. And then, of course, finding more collaborations with offers and convincing them to refer to PikaPods as a hosting options so their apps become more accessible. That's another yeah, strategy. like spin up strategy. Like spin up on PikaPods, for instance. Yeah, exactly. We already yeah. have a button, like there's nice. this Heroku button, run on Heroku. So there's a run on PikaPods button. You just click it, you just register, and you get some free starting credit. And then you can run the app with like just one or two clicks. Brilliant. So one of the questions I have is, again, I'm trying to think of like the ecosystem level approaches because it's cool to have a single thing, but you're part of a wider movement where we're starting to not just allow code to happen, but also allowing people to really access the open source ecosystem easily and allowing maintainers to get their stuff out there with a the minimum of effort. GitHub obviously jumped into this space early by allowing people to actually work together collaboratively using Git. Now we're seeing next evolution add-ons to that. So things like Git pod, right? Like let's all work together collaboratively offside of GitHub, but just in general using better bandwidth. How can we have developers work together? What I see you is doing is being just another part of that ecosystem. So how do we just allow people to just run apps really easy? And how do we make sure that we have the support necessary by, say, limiting the amount of apps that you have, but still listening to people who say, I want this? One of the things I'm curious about is, have you positioned yourself in the market or is there a place where I can see what other hosting services or what other features are useful? A good example is that I don't see that much of a difference between, say, PikaPods and Open Source Collective, right? If you don't have the finances right now to figure out how to get your finances together, you can use Open Collective to like start getting money and start getting sponsors off GitHub. So I'm curious, can you think of other examples like PikaPods, which are part of something? And uh, have you mapped that out anywhere? So you mean other services that allow you to run apps? 
Well, you mean the financing part? I mean more, you're part of a wider movement, right? Like PikaPods isn't alone in allowing people to host stuff. But because you're revenue sharing with maintainers from day one, you're part of this awesome movement that's focusing on how do we make maintainers' lives easier, which in turn leads to a more sustainable open source ecosystem, yep. which is what we're here for. So I'm just curious, how do you position yourself in that ecosystem? And can you think of other things that could be used in collaboration with PikaPods mainly that makes it easier for maintainers? So I know of a couple of other services that are similar to PikaPods and they allow you to run a list, like, like a list of open source apps. For example, CloudRun or Sandstorm. What was the last, the previous one? CapRover, for example. These are usually like Docker management tools where you set up your own server and then it manages Docker containers and app updates for you. So this relates to the ecosystem a little bit about making developers' life easier. I don't think that's really target audience of PikaPods. PikaPods is more talking to people who are like less technical and who are not running their own server. So we don't really target developers exclusively. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's useful for me. So that's interesting. I'm just thinking like what a map would look like of what what's necessary, like what services are possible in the ecosystem for helping people run open source projects better. For you, less technical users want to be able to host their own WordPress instance, don't want to go to WordPress.com, don't know yeah. how else to do it, can't run Heroku on their own. This is a viable alternative. Makes a ton of sense. I get it. I think that's really cool. So I'm just excited to see more movement in this space in general. There are a couple of very similar projects, but usually they include bringing your own server. So there are not many that provide the compute resources as well, in addition to the moderated app marketplace. Cool. Monet, where can people find out more about PikaPods? Where can they follow along? Do you have a blog? Do you have a Twitter account, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever? Yeah, of course, there's like PikaPods.com. You can just open an account there. You get $5 free starting credit, which doesn't sound a lot, but it's enough to run like a monitoring service for like three months. So it's not that little. Then there's also a monthly newsletter where we give you like an overview of your account and we present two or three featured open source projects that we added in the last month. So that goes out to every member at the moment. And there's also PikaPods on Twitter, like just PikaPods, same as the domain. That's P-I-K-A-P-O-D-S, just like the little rodent of Alpine domain. Correct. Manu, <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much for coming on. Don't leave yet, however. Now it's the part of the show where we get to spotlights. Spotlights is where we highlight projects, people, things, dogs, lizards, anything really, which has led to awesomeness in your life, which you feel like just needs a bit more love. Justin Dorfman, what's your spotlight today? My spotlight today is Pydantic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a data validation and settings management using Python type hints. I've worked with Samuel on some search stuff and he was just a delight to work with. So if you're into data validation and Python, check out Pydantic, P-Y-D-A-N-T-I-C. Awesome. Thank you. My spotlight today is Amna Shamim. I was trying to think of who was really awesome on that Hacker Paradise trip seven years ago. And Amna is one of those people. She is incredibly kind and generous and also a really good writer. And so I've linked to her portfolio website. If you're interested in working with someone who's really great, Amna has helped me over the past and just really love her work. And I hope she's doing well wherever she is today, digital nomad as she is. Manu, what is your spotlight today? So I want to highlight Uptime Kumar, which is developed by Louis Lem from Hong Kong. 
And the reason why I like it is because there are not enough good open source projects coming from Asia, given how many people they have. So I'm really waiting to see more projects from Asia. And I feel that Uptem Kuma really hit a very specific niche that wasn't really served by any open source project, like simple uptime monitoring, where you don't want to do a lot of setup and you don't want to uh, like like monitor CPU usage in detail. You just want to know if your website is up. So Uptem Kuma is really great for that. And it already has a ton of stars on GitHub, I think 12,000 or something, which were all added within a few months, just because this guy just hit such a high demand niche. So that's really nice to see a high quality open source project come from Asia that's useful to so many people. Love it. Thank you so much. Listeners, if you enjoyed this, do check out Pika Pods. If you enjoyed listening and you want to listen to more, you can always go to podcast. That's the same OSS.org. See the rest of our podcast. If you want to send us feedback as hosts, we're always looking forward to that. I'm also happy to send on any feedback back to Manu. So go to podcast at sustainoss.org. That is the email address where you can send stuff. If you listened and like this, like it on Spotify, Apple, wherever podcasts are sold as well. Thank you very much for that. If you have suggested guests, please do hit us up. And if you want to come talk about this podcast in general, go to discourse at sustainoss.org where we have our sustain discourse and follow us on Twitter at sustainoss. And of course, go to pikapods.com or at pikapods on Twitter. Mono, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And good luck with everything. Thanks for having me.